Welcome to another episode of Design Wake Up. This is episode two, and this is your place where twice a month design management and innovation meet. We are your hosts, Sam, Marco, and Simon. So this week, we're going to talk about design thinking, a subject that, to be honest, is tricky. In all honesty, Mm -hmm. this is the third attempt at recording this episode, and I think that reflects one of the issues that design thinking has as a subject. It's difficult to get across exactly what design thinking is, but we're going to have a go at it today anyway. Wish us luck. Who's first? Yeah, it's quite uh, interesting, funny, and we are uh, really excited to record our third attempt (laughs) and hopefully last. (laughs) Wish us luck. I actually thought it was our fourth attempt. (laughs) It may well have been. So I think one of the main problems that design thinking has is its PR department. It's such a difficult concept to get across. And I think that there have been many different approaches to communicating what exactly design thinking is that have failed quite spectacularly in the media in the past. Like, I don't know how old is design thinking. It's two decades old at least, right? So if I remember well, Simon, design thinking started at Stanford University. At the time, they were looking for ways to bring uh, students from different areas um, in a way to come up with ideas, with really breakthrough ideas. And they started shaping how that whole process could look like. And that's the the whole origin of design thinking, I believe. I think in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, that's right. That's, that guy was David Kelly. We didn't just Google that for the listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> but he then went on to work at IDEO and they kind of made it the star that it is. They started using design thinking as a way to implement the way products are built. Yeah. They popularized it with the help. And then Tim Brown joined IDEO as well as one of the co-founders. And that's when the whole thing started to become more popular. I believe it was in the 90s that, you know, it really started to, you know, take off. And it really is one of the driving factors in the way some organizations work. And it is responsible for some really good work. But I guess, like, for those at home that don't know what design thinking is, Sam, do you want to Give us a whistle-stop tour of what design thinking is in a nutshell. Yeah, sure. I can do it, uh, Sai. So in a nutshell, what it gives us is a uniformed methodology, uh, which enables people with different backgrounds and worldviews to brainstorm and build on each other's ideas uh, to create new solutions or services that meet uh, and map needs in a group of users or clients. Okay. Now, the real question is, and we'll deep dive uh, into this you know, during the episode is how how does it work? Okay, so what do we mean? And I think the key element in design thinking and possibly in, in any other approach for developing customer-centric, um, you know, services is empathy, okay? So what do I mean by empathy? It's the ability to really connect with a group of people and understand their motivations and frustrations when trying to accomplish a particular action or achieve a certain goal. And once that human reality is fleshed out and understood, that's when the the, the whole brainstorming hap- happens and playing back the ideas that we generated uh, to the group of people that we originally, uh, uh, you know, were focusing on. And it's through this problem solution 
testing, validation, learning, if you like, iteration that we can say with more confidence that we are building a, a great service. And, and the principle of this uniform methodology is what it gives us. I think just to add to that, I was actually talking to a colleague yesterday. He started looking into design thinking. He's a change manager. So different, different team, but he started looking into design thinking because I've been talking about it so much and he wanted to, uh, to know a little bit more. What he found was that very often any videos that are out there use human-centered design, design thinking, even sometimes user experience interchangeably. And I think maybe because this method is so old, there's a little bit of a, you know, a misconception about what it actually is and where it fits. So how I tried to um, kind of, you know, tell him how, how where design thinking for me fits in, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I've got a human-centered design team and that's, we, we approach problem solving in a specific way, but we use design thinking as the framework to do that problem solving. And that's, that's for me how design thinking fits into the wider kind of development. There are kind of three areas that you need for design thinking to work. You need the framework and the tools, you need the skills and the behaviors, but you also need the creative mindset. And I think that the lack of creative mindset is where design thinking usually falls through and usually doesn't work. But I think it's also the fact that people don't understand what it is. And that's where, you know, that's where we start getting misconceptions and people start getting sidetracked and coming up with other solutions uh, and not using the framework as it should be. That's a good point. And I agree. I, I, I agree with you, Sam. I think at the end of the day, the benefit of using design thinking is in a way enable this or, or, or enable companies that don't necessarily have that crea creative background or or group of people that uh, normally build products to really, uh, you know, flash out this creativity, right? You bring someone who works in marketing, someone who works in and in sales and product, and perhaps they are uh, more junior people, but. They, they, these are also the, 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 the persons that are in uh, contact or would, will have more visibility of what the clients are saying, what the users are saying, and therefore perhaps understand their pains in a, in a, in a more in-depth uh, in manner. So it's giving them a voice in a way and, and enable them and empower them to, to have their say, which otherwise they might not have the ability to do so. Absolutely. And I think anyone can have a creative mindset. You don't have to be an artist or a designer in that sense. Anyone can, can have it. And most people do. Uh, I mean, we've all drawn when we were three years old and, you know, we've all known how to do, we've just kind of forgotten how to do it yeah. along the way. But I think it's just the confusion around exactly what it is and where it fits and how to yeah. use it, where... Um, companies struggle and to be honest if you don't have the endorsement from the top levels in the in the company who really do endorse it and really back it you're not going to get that that you're not going to get that injection into the dna of a company so you're going to have pockets of it in the company but if the whole company doesn't have that creative mindset it's going to fall through 100 100 and i i just want to go back to one of the things that you said that is the lack of structure. I think we will spend some time in this episode um, exploring why sometimes it fails. But let us 
let us remind and that at the end of the day, what design thinking is, it is to give us that baseline of the things that you'll need to develop into your product, right? So it's not academic. It's not a, a pure, fun exercise that you do. When done in a proper way, it gives you the starting point for you to create a product. Now, that involves a, a change in, our, in, in how you... Um, build the product and how you communicate with the product teams and how business perceives what success looks like in the early stages of product development. And I'll, we will get to that in a second, but that requires some attention. And oftentimes people forget to make that bridge from early stage idea that exists in design thinking with the validation with the task to then kind of a transition into a product MVPs uh, life life cycle stage to scale. I think very often companies and and you know I've worked with many companies that that have done this. It's they try to kind of um, focus on the define stage and then the ideate stage, and then they create a prototype, but they don't test it. So they forget about the kind yeah. of the initial empathizing and observation user research and all and that part because that takes time so they go straight into solutionizing then they start building the prototype or whatever but then they kind of you know they don't test it with the with the wider audience they test it with senior stakeholders that have a very linear mindset so then they go to market with it and it just falls flat so without without the kind of the research up front and then the evaluation before you go to market, you create products and solutions that are just not fit for purpose. And then they do that a few times and they say, oh, but we're following this, you know, this framework and it's not working. Well, it's not working because you're not doing the most important bits out of yeah. it, which is the research yeah. upfront and the evaluation towards the end. Interesting. Simon, you are a product designer. You've, you, you, you've built beautiful products and I've worked with you in the past. How do you see the world of business moving towards changing that mindset of, of inwards thinking to be to be more user focused with the, with the validation and speaking to them before you create the idea to when to to after you need to test it and learn from these client conversations? How do you see this changing and? What good examples or recommendations could you give, you know, to the people listening as to how to overcome the barriers that Sam just talked about? I think we need to explore the different types of com companies that there are out there because design thinking isn't a cure-all for all product innovation problems. It's not the only methodology out there either. And I'm conscious that We're, we're using a lot of different words to describe at a high level what design thinking is. Is it a, a process, a methodology? Is it a method I think we've used? I think that, again, comes back to the identity problem that design thinking has. To address your question, companies that do well with design thinking are companies that use it as a mindset. They don't think of it as a process. They don't do a design thinking workshop and feed the results of that workshop back into the organization that doesn't use design thinking. I think the whole organization needs to use the design thinking process as a principle. Otherwise, 
you're going to be in a situation where the design team is always trying to sell the process and stakeholders that don't understand the process are always going to be bad-mouthing it and not wanting to do it and using it as a way to make fun of the design team. A company having at its core the principles that when they produce a product, they follow the design thinking steps, they will do it without thinking about it. They won't have to apply a process that forces them to do each step of the process. And I think that's an important thing. I don't think we've even been through the steps of the process or kind of at a really high level said what design thinking is in this podcast. So essentially, design thinking is a five-step process to innovating or creating a product that is focused on user needs. And that's an approach to creating a product that all products don't have to take, even successful products. Starting with the user isn't where you have to start, but it's a it's a good way of doing it if you don't do it any other way. So the five steps are to empathize with your user, to define and you're defining who the user is by creating personas, you're identifying what their problems are, and then you ideate in the third step, come up with a solution. The fourth step is to prototype. So you build a prototype, but you know what a prototype is, I don't need to explain that. And then you test it, the final step. That is a very linear process, and it can be easy to get into the mindset, what is it that you have to do to achieve each of those five steps and that's where people get bogged down i think if your approach to product development is always starting with the user then going through the following four steps which kind of follow on quite nicely but going back to what sam says it's easy to skip like sometimes you don't prototype and you just go straight into build i think if you if you're strict with yourself in following the prototyping and testing part of the process it's will set you in good stead But I think as a summary to that rambling explanation, (laughs) if you can get your team into a place where they just follow those five steps instinctually, because that's just the way that you build products, that is when design thinking will work for your organization. I I agree with you. I agree with you. And it kind of goes back to what I was suggesting in the beginning, that is to give you this uniformed uh, methodology, which allows people to understand what's expected at the end of this five-stage um, approach. There's there, are You touched into two things that I would like to um, discuss here. One is, do you need design thinking or do you always need to apply design thinking? And perhaps we can touch that in a second. And the second part is the business uh, sometimes not being uh, aligned. I'll start with the latter, if that's okay. And we can go, uh, go to the former after. We, t- we touch on, on the principles, we touch on the structure, but there's something that is really important to cover. That is why you use design thinking. And at the end of the day is to accelerate business outcomes, right? You have a, you, you have a business to run. You need to make your business profitable. It's how you go about and accelerate and how agile you are to come up with the next big thing that can help your company or help enhance something that already exists. I find in this, in this point, with my experience, that business tend to uh, get stuck in two things. Number one, they don't know what to prioritize. That's 
And that's because they just don't understand the concept of um, creating something new from an innovation standpoint using design thinking, right? You don't go immediately to check if this is going to give you money. You know, you need to start with if your users are engaging well, if you are having a, an increase of a, a number of client activations, how's the experience uh, looking, and so on and so forth. And the second one is goes back to the business priorities. That is, okay, so... If our clients want to do this, but or we, if we are, we are receiving information that this is what probably will stick more with the clients, but I don't really think that this is going to be more profitable. That that tends to go, uh, uh, you know, to the bottom, uh, you know, line of the priorities list in their minds. So we we go back to we need to change the approach as to how innovation is perceived and how many and and how growth can be perceived in a company. I think that's a really key important thing an aspect to cover business wise. The former which was around do we need to use design thinking as a religion? <laughs> well, not necessarily. I think it helps quite a lot, especially if you are looking for breakthrough ideas to have a team dedicated into finding, you know, what can be the next thing or what can be the next product. There needs to be alignment with the strategy, with the, the with the business. Otherwise, they won't pick up. And we've seen a lot of occasions, in a lot of occasions, hubs failing because there's this disalignment uh, with the business. However, to have that team working, you know, you know, on the next big thing, that will really help. And it, it's an easy way to get to the next product, get to the next idea. But if we are talking about announcement to an existing product, yes, we can use design thinking, but perhaps there are other ways, uh, such as you know ideation. As long as the brain and the lens is on the user, the and and the result um, keeps in mind that we will try to solve what's the most critical thing for them and prioritize that. Cascade what makes sense for the business as well is also important, and what can we do from a technology standpoint. But you don't have to use it as a religion. That's my point. But it can help you innovate faster. I think it all boils down to keep your user at the center. I think the method, the approach, the frameworks, the tools that you use in the end don't really matter. It's about not being product-centric but user-centric. I think design thinking just is one of those approaches that's quite easy if you implement it from start to finish. And I think we've touched upon, you know, if you if you start using it in a few products, it kind of gets into your everyday and it's part of your DNA. It just gets easier with every new product or every new service that you produce using design thinking. So I think it's a really good methodology to implement and then just kind of reuse because it, it works. You don't have to, you can just use something else. But I think it's it, it all comes down to just you have to have that user at the center of everything you do. Marco, you were saying about stakeholder buy-in. That's something that stuck with me. Do you think an organization where you need to get stakeholder buy-in is going to succeed with design thinking? Or do you think the stakeholders need to be involved in the design thinking process from the start? I think it boils down to empowerment and it boils down to accountability when it comes to products and services. And I think if a leadership team empowers its leaders, managers, 
team leads and everything to to do a good job. You can have pockets of it that work and the leadership team maybe don't have to know anything about it. But I think that happens very rarely in organizations. I think there is a, a, a hierarchy that you need to that kind of that 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 um focuses you on the goals and sometimes that constrains you if that makes sense mm. if they're not bought into design thinking and any kind of that you know user centric approaches if they're not bought in and they just want to sell their products you're going to have a problem it's it comes down to two things i think and i think sam touched that i touch on that really really well like let's let's look at the goals right yes you need empowerment from the stakeholders absolutely the key the, the the key stakeholders if your chief strategy officer or chief executive officer or someone that sits at c suite level doesn't say let's do this and kind of um, start the the whole empowerment you as a person that has specific objectives won't pay attention to that like you still have your business as usual activities that you need to pay attention to and if you don't make them someone will hold you accountable the other thing is the goals the metrics i'll give you an example here microsoft not necessarily around design thinking but just how changing the whole goals uh, objectives changed how uh, the company grew and became more relevant again in the um, technology space when this um, new ceo took over he changed the, the whole strategy. Before, it was very much around uh, hardware uh, with... Um, what's the name of the previous one? He's now the owner of the uh, basket and NBA uh, team. Um, ah. Ballmer. So, exactly, Steve Ballmer. So <laughs> the new CEO wanted to go back to the vision, which was to... Microsoft helped uh, businesses, which was to which was to empower uh, companies to run their businesses through technology, okay? Now, it was having a hard time in the beginning because the uh, sales uh, team were very much more focused on selling what they knew, which was licenses for data uh, center services. And by the way, just before I said hardware, I meant to say legacy services. Uh, that obviously existed in these uh, data centers. And so what the new CEO did was a change in the compensation paradigm and weighted more sales that came from this, at the time, new cloud services in Azure and took away a significant commission benefit uh, of these salespeople, client team, for, uh, for selling uh, legacy services. So what happened? So you had your client team now changing their behavior and wanting to learn more about cloud. And this was one of the big reasons for the rebirth of Microsoft, if you if you like. At the end of the day, the, the metrics and how you empower and, and how you evaluate someone also needs to change. And it's an important aspect for companies who really want to transform digitally, who really want to connect with uh, with users, that need to start with a perhaps new product. The the way that these people are evaluated is also important for them to change perhaps the approach and the behaviors as to how they engage with these design teams. So going back to when I was saying that there are issues with design thinking, there are lots of stories and resources online on YouTube, for example, where you can 
hear people saying that design thinking doesn't work or rarely works. I'm of the opinion that it doesn't work because it's rarely communicated well or understood well. And I think going back to what Marco was saying, I don't think some organizations have the ability to gain a level of shared understanding from the sea level down to the people that are on the ground that is kind of required for this to be a cross-company ethos. If you are in an organization that is product-centric or feature-led in the way that they build their products, do you think you should try to implement design thinking? Or do you think a different approach is more appropriate? Because I, I'm, I was just thinking, when you were say, saying that, Marco, I kind of jumped to mind. If you build a team around design thinking, you build a team that's really customer-focused and they're building from the user up. But the exec team are just not interested in that. They're dictating which features need to be prioritized based on business value. Are you going to create an organization where people aren't happy that was a rambling question. Make of that what you will. I think it's you're you're creating an organization where you're going to get a lot of frustrated people. And I think that design thinking is not the only method or approach that dies a natural death due to inconsistency in messaging across the company. I think if if you're a product centric company um, and it's working for you, great. Uh, don't implement anything more. But to my knowledge, product-centric companies are not doing as well as they could be doing. So looking at new methods of design and development is something that could potentially help them. But again, you need to have that buy-in from the top players of the company because it's just going to fall flat. If you have a user-centered team that then has to wham in solutions and current products, it's just gonna it's not gonna work so i think there probably is a middle ground i have not seen it work anywhere yet <laughs> but maybe to answer that question let me give you two examples there's a thing as an exercise i like to do with clients to understand uh, their level of maturity for innovation and its uh, innovation maturity assessment. Um, it has five levels. It goes from number one, they don't understand what innovation is. They are really low mature. You need to start from, you know, day zero to level five, where uh, which is in an innovative company doing transformation well and so on and so forth. So you need to adapt. What I'm saying is you, you don't do the same uh, you don't use the same approach or you don't do the same activities uh, for a company who is, which is uh, level one uh, ranked in innovation to a company who, is, who has like a, a top level for innovation, right? If a, pro if a company is very much product oriented, inwards thinking type of approach, if you, if you jump in and say, we're going to do design thinking, we're going to create a hub, we're going to do our thing and you're going to be successful. History tells us that fails. We have many examples. We, I worked with um, a company, a, a, a financial services company, a couple, a few years back, and they ha they used that approach. And it, a couple of years later, it fell because it, there was there was no correlation with the business. Uh, they didn't understand what they were doing, and they were actually perceived as a disposable asset. Okay, so eventually they shut down. So, however, you can still use this. You can you. You can still use design thinking uh, if you see an opportunity to work with a certain team that is more open to implement design thinking. And then the, the others will kind of realize the benefits that they can take out of uh, 
you know this 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 type of methodology and 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 teams that think with a design lens approach this being said if i still think that companies should use design thinking i think so cuz it really enables you to uh, push innovation through faster. You know, at the end of the day, it, it, it all falls down to business outcomes. Uh, the, the company wants to sell, the company wants to grow, the company wants to continue being relevant. So innovation is a big part of it. The world is changing, it's becoming more digital. You need to you need to respond faster to what your clients are telling you. And you need to predict what possibly they will need in a couple of years or in three years. So, and design thinking just gives you a... A comprehensive, easy way to uh, bring different parts of the company to accomplish that. But to Sam's point, if the company is not engaged, if the behaviors are, aren't right, so you probably shouldn't start with design thinking. You, you should probably try a different approach to gradually enable uh, these professionals to understand the benefits of adopting um, a client-centric way of building your products rather than, oh, I think I need to do this. Let me just start writing some code. Hmm. I think it's important to just highlight or acknowledge that being customer-centric doesn't mean you have to do design thinking. There are approaches Absolutely agree. Yeah. that kind of are a middle ground, like Lean Startup, for an example, that is customer-centric in that you test your um, product with customers. You just try to get to a testable MVP as quickly as possible. But that essentially starts with ideas of the team. So that is almost product-led in a certain way. You build an MVP based on your inklings and your ideas, and then you go away and test that, and then you iterate upon that and improve it over time. Not doing design thinking doesn't mean that you're ignoring the customers. And it might be that another approach that does do user research and looks at metrics to improve your product in a scientific way. You're absolutely right in that you don't have to follow the whole process. You don't have to call it design thinking. I think as long as you're responding to certain user challenges, you're doing the research up front and looking at what's happening in the market. And then hopefully evaluating your assumptions and testing it. I think that's fine. And you might have something in your back pocket already. You might have some kind of a product and maybe it didn't work four years ago, but it's going to work now because post-COVID or whatever, that's absolutely fine. But as long as you're answering the user needs and testing your assumptions, I think you're fine. If it works for you, great. 100%. And I agree with yeah, and I agree with, I think design thinking, I would, if I one day have my own big company, I'll definitely uh, implement design thinking because, I, as I said, it gives you a, in a short timescale uh, ideas that can be uh, validated without needing to spend, you know, big chunks of money. The idea behind the Lean Startup is similar to design thinking, design thinking. the idea to start from the customer lens, um, build something that you don't have to invest some uh, you know a lot of money as you would uh, do in if you build the whole, the, the the product um the whole product you know uh, as you do in waterfall uh, but the idea to 
think from a client lens, uh, from the user lens, prioritize the, the, the most critical things, put it out and test it and see what they say. So it's, it falls more or less the same principle. The difference is in, in how much effort you put in the prototype, how you, how you test it. With design thinking, you can test your idea with interviews, for example. You can, uh, you don't necessarily need to develop code to make, uh, to backend code to make, to have your users interact with your idea, with your, uh, let's just say, um, landing page, if you like. I think my takeaway from this episode is you should have um, a user centered approach to building your products. Obviously, if, if your product doesn't work with your users, then there's no point in building it. You need to, test your hypotheses you need to have hypotheses i think there are people that are quite evangelical about design thinking and if they are really vocal about needing to do design thinking and doing it the right way you're going to get to a situation where design thinking isn't appropriate for the problem that you have and if you try to force it into that problem people are going to see it failing or being the wrong tool for the problem for me i think you should be using the design thinking steps, not necessarily in the order that they are written down in the design thinking handbook, but using it as an ethos for building products. What are your takeaways? Same. <laughs> same. Yeah, very, very much the same. I, I agree. The, the key premises or lies in the principles and being possibly the most important one uh, the empathy with the with the user. There's then a whole list of things that you need to cover. You know, obviously, it needs to be relevant for the company. It's not because you have an idea that you think could be a good uh, s- solution to a problem that you identified. But if it's outside, it's completely outside of your the the vision of the company or what the company can do. So you don't want to export that idea. But the most important principle continues to lie on the uh, the user and now you connect to, to the to, to the users to understand what is it that is causing them to feel a frustration a problem to then unpack what is it that we accompany or 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 you could do to to solve it or address it so absolutely I still believe that it's a great methodology because it, it it really brings some comprehension and understanding as to how you can navigate through that problem recognition, a brainstorming idea to then vali- quickly validating whether your assumptions were right. But at the end of the day, um, there are other options. I'm a big advocate of design thinking, but I recognize that might not be for everyone. Good place to leave it, I think. That was a fun episode, and hopefully this one will make it into the world. If not, you won't be hearing this. Thank you for listening to us. Don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. And if you use a podcasting software that supports commenting and rating, we would really appreciate you if you would do so. And if you are wondering, where can I find uh, these guys and listen to the the next episodes? You can always go to our website, www designwakeup.com join our community we have some interesting content and resources that we created in our slack channel sam tell us about the socials you can follow us on instagram at design.wakeup and on twitter at designwakeup have a good day everybody see you in the next episode bye 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 bye